Hi, and welcome to Sounds Delicious. I'm Mary Davis. This is a podcast where pop culture and food come together. And when something in the news and it's food related, I want to talk about it. And Hurricane Ida is really just taking a beating to the Gulf Coast, especially New Orleans. And especially when you think of food, you go straight to New Orleans, one of the best food towns in the country. Now, this is the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. And there's a bunch of us on this podcast network. And a lot of times we don't even know each other or talk to each other. But once I joined this network, I started following a lot of the people in the different cities. And I started following Joey Cirillo, who has passed the everything. He's got a great food blog and Instagram, and I love his approach to the New Orleans food scene. So when I heard this was happening and I've been watching all the images unfold and I've been watching Joey's story about evacuating, I was like, I'm getting in touch with Joey. I want the scoop. And Joey's with me now. How are you? I'm good. How are you? And I appreciate you nailed my first name, my my last name on the first try. No one ever does that. I didn't have to <laughs> prep you in advance. <laughs> well, thanks, so. Joey. I'm notorious for for mispronouncing names, so so I'm I feel really lucky I got that one right. So you're not originally from New Orleans, right? No, um, I am not. I moved to New Orleans about seven years ago. It was actually on my birthday weekend. And uh, yeah, so it's been it's been seven years. And this is the first time um, in the entirety that I've spent living down there where I've actually had to evacuate for a hurricane. We've had plenty of scares. We've had some bad storms. This was this was the one that I got out of town for. And I'm really thankful and also very fortunate and lucky to have done so. What brought you to New Orleans in the first place? (laughs) <laughs> That's a funny story. So the joke about New Orleans, uh, me moving down to New Orleans is I, I moved down there for a girl that I was dating at the time. And so whenever anyone asks me, I say she didn't work out, but New Orleans did. So yeah, that relationship ended and I, and I found myself in this city. I think it's still right around maybe the six months to a year mark um, living down there, still very new, trying to get my bearings. And uh Almost went back to Colorado multiple times, you know, just a lot of feelings of being overwhelmed and not really knowing anybody, but I fell in love with the city and decided to stay and I'm glad I did. You got in touch with the food scene really, really like right away and started your past the everything Instagram has over 50,000 followers. You take great food pictures. You have a real passion uh, for the restaurant community. How did that get started? Yeah. So my, my background is in marketing. And the ironic part about that is I actually had downloaded an, an app in my phone. So when I, so I've always been the eater in my family. Like I've always been the bottomless pit person everyone goes to, um, you know, if you have leftovers at your house, you would invite Joey over, ha ha type of thing. And I moved down to New Orleans and immediately everyone starts visiting me. And a lot of that is without even asking me. So I would have family and friends just start showing up for weekends. And a lot of times they, you know, they want to eat because it's New Orleans. And I became very overwhelmed because I still didn't know the city. There's 8 million restaurants that are all fantastic. There's new restaurants opening up all the time. People are very passionate about the food culture. And um, so I downloaded this app and it was a food journal. And I was just tracking my meals and where I ate. And my friends were honestly just giving me a lot of shit saying, oh, are you writing in your diary today? Because I would spend all this time basically just documenting my meals and the ironic part about coming from a marketing background is it wasn't until one day I was at work 
and a coworker said, hey, why don't you just set up you know, a social media account to track everything instead of doing it privately, you can just share it publicly. And I don't know why I never thought about that. <laughs> so it says a lot about myself there. But yeah, I, um, you know, I, I decided to kind of take that idea and run with it. And I wanted to kind of create a brand out of it. So I came up with Pasty Everything, honestly, within about five minutes. And I had a friend of mine um, kind of draw up a logo for me. And that was about four and a half, five years ago now. Wow. And over 50,000 followers later, that's really, really impressive. It's hard to get a lot of uh, followers like that. Um, what did the restaurant community think of it? Did they welcome you with open arms? I mean, obviously, if you're going to keep something up, you're you're aggressively out there eating and, and uh, posting. So they had to be happy about that. And, and what did you do to make you different? Because there's got to be a ton of food bloggers in New Orleans. You certainly weren't new. Yeah, no, that was, um, it, the space at first was a little intimidating, but I really didn't feel, for me, it was easy because I looked at other, and this is not a knock on any, on anyone specifically, but I looked at the totality of the quote unquote foodie landscape. And I honest, and this not in New Orleans, I mean, like it just in general accounts that I followed, you know, in the United States around the world or whatever. And honestly, the majority of the content, I hated it. I just, I felt everything was like this over, overly saturated, fake, kind of a faux foodie fan account. Um, a lot of the stuff was just posting ridiculous photos with meals that people were not even really eating. I don't know. I personally got tired of it and I wanted to actually get to know the personality behind these people. And so I've always kind of not been one to bite my tongue and kind of and kind of out there a little bit and I essentially just created a brand by being myself um, I decided that going into it that I was going to create an account where I could say whatever I want and do whatever I want obviously within within reason <laughs> but you and, seem yeah. to really you seem to really know your stuff when it comes to food you seem to have a a, a really sophisticated palate you're out there and taking great great food pictures too. So I, I recommend everybody follow it, but obviously, uh, you know, and I, I hear what you're saying. Cause I mean, nothing, nothing irritates me more than seeing like a good looking girl with like a sandwich stacked, you know, she has her sandwich stacked or like, she's like, you know, like wearing a bikini, eating a cheeseburger. Like that is my number one pet peeve. <laughs> and, uh, yes. I, I, I appreciate the comment on the palette and the photos because I do not think highly of myself in either one of those areas. So for me, it's always a constant work in progress. I, I do try to take good photos a lot of the times, and especially now four and a half years in, I don't want to say I rush things, but I am more interested about eating the meal than I am sharing it. Sharing it now is just so ingrained into my everyday activity. Um, and then the palette, that that is something that I will forever be a work in progress because I grew up extremely poor. Um, there was, food wasn't a thing that was for fun. It was, it was strictly survival. And so now, you know, being in a position to where I do get to eat and it is enjoyable and it is an experience, um, that is a, still a completely new world to me. So, uh, my, my palate, I'm trying to learn, but it's, it's a tough road. You're doing great. You really are. I got to tell you, you know, the minute I am able to visit New Orleans again, the first thing I'm doing is is looking at your feed because it's really great and it's really fun. And you bring, uh, you know, it's fresh and it has an attitude, which is great. Obviously, right now we're looking at this Hurricane 
Ida and it is just so intense. So it's the first time you've ever had to evacuate. You're doing this from, from Mississippi. And did I see behind you, was that a cat or a rodent or what just ran by there? That's my cat, Theo. I didn't know. <laughs> I, figured out, I figured at some point he would make an appearance and uh, he did. I didn't even realize that he was behind me. I love uh, it. Yeah. No. That, that is Theo. We made sure to get him out of the house. Yeah. And that, that wasn't too hard. I mean, honestly, the, the minute that you type in or, you know, you just Google pet friendly hotels, there, there was a, uh, we had a whole list of options in front of us. So it's been really nice. And almost everybody here at this hotel, dogs and cats, like everyone here has their pets. So it's, it's good to see. Wow. So where exactly do you live and uh, have you checked on your home and, and what's, what's going on for you personally? I currently actually live in Metairie, just outside of New Orleans, and I have a home. So I live with my girlfriend in Metairie at her house, and I have my own house that's also in Fairgrounds. So there is a a Facebook group for the home that we currently live in. Um, We've had neighbors that decided to stay and kind of hunker down, and they've been sharing videos and providing updates. Um, There appears to be no damage to that home. I have Received a text actually recently from one of my neighbors at my house um, who told me that it appears that there's no damage to my property. I haven't really been able to confirm anything. I don't I don't have any photos or videos or anything like that. And I don't think they've left their house either. So I'm kind of just going off of the word of people at, at the moment. But it's been spotty because, you know, New Orleans are just now starting to get back cell phone service. We really have no idea what we're what we're going back to at this point. That's an intense and scary feeling. And I've been watching a lot of your social media about that, about like, I know you're really a podcast guy. And we talked a little bit about that before the interview. You know, when I listened to the interview Floodlines, uh, the podcast called Floodlines, and uh, that was really about Katrina. And it just talks about the way the media portrayed the hurricane and the way people who don't have the means cannot evacuate. And, um, you know, a lot of people have a a lot of misconceptions about people in New Orleans. And so this being your first time from that, you just kind of pointing out, like, don't judge what it is until you're living it. Right. Yeah, no, that's um, and that those were the thoughts that I was sharing yesterday, because I have seen some I mean, it's it's social media. You're going to see some stuff we don't like all the time. But uh, there there was some some shaming of people that weren't leaving the area and the my background quickly, I actually, so I was a Katrina first responder. So when Katrina hit, I wasn't living in New Orleans at the time. I was actually in the Navy and I was returning to my, uh, to my home port, which was in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, we were actually in the Gulf of Mexico when Katrina hit. So um, instead of going home, we basically just waited for the hurricane to hit. And then we were in the next day and we were, we were boots on the ground delivering supplies and we were there for nearly a week. So I was outside of Biloxi. I saw I saw the damage firsthand. I got to see a lot of the people. I mean, it was complete devastation. It looked like a bomb had went off. I'd never seen anything like that before. And it's I don't know. It's interesting that my that my journey throughout life has brought me back to the area. And now you know, obviously, out of the Navy, living in New Orleans, and now I'm evacuating for a hurricane. So I don't know. I've seen. I guess I've had some different perspective on it, but I, but to your point, yes, unless you've actually been through something like this, I don't think it's proper to make a judgment call on what someone is or is not doing. Um, and if you agree with, with it or not, like I was saying, I think my ability to evacuate and to be 
you know, on a Zoom call with you in a hotel room is extremely privileged. I went down to the gym in the hotel yesterday and I'm riding a fucking Peloton. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm talking to people in New Orleans, no cell phone service, 911 is down. There's hundreds of thousands of people without power. No one knows what's going on with their homes. There's devastation everywhere. And I'm reading about this on my phone while riding a Peloton in my hotel room in Mississippi. So yes, it is a, it is a hard, it is a difficult situation and it's heartbreaking, but I also have to, you know, acknowledge how fortunate I am to be in the position that I am living out of a duffel bag. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Well, thank you for your honesty on that. And I think that's a great segue as far as like getting in with the restaurant community, because the service industry and the restaurant industry has just been hammered the past year and a half. Not only do we have COVID, but all these service industry problems. And now in New Orleans, the, you know, the ultimate food town, uh, it's, it's just become more complicated. And I'm sure you know people, as do I, who just were tired of working in the service industry because they're just tired of being treated like shit. I mean, you can look at yeah. it a lot of different ways and it's a very convenient way to say like, oh, people are getting their, you know, unemployment. So they're living off the fat of the land. Okay. There are probably some people that are doing that, but some people are just like, it is such a grind. It is such a hard living and now here they are, tourism, you know, Jazz Fest canceled, tourism canceled. So I know here in the Atlanta area, we have the Giving Kitchen, which is an incredible organization that helps hardship, you know, people who have like illness or injury. How do we support the restaurant community in New Orleans? Because I got to tell you, Joey, I always see these big groups and I, I, I like, I want my money to go locally to a grassroots charity. So I know it's actually reaching, you know, hitting home. No, um, first off, I'm glad that you said that I'm the same way, large organizations, and it's, it's not a knock on anyone again specifically, but I kind of stay away from them as well. I want to know exactly where my money is going. And especially in a time of when there's an early crisis, I want to be able to ensure that my money is going directly where it's needed in that moment, you know, versus donating to a Red Cross. I don't know what percentage of my money is going where. Um, I just like to see the immediate impact. So I know if anyone wants to look up crew of red beans, and that's K-R-E-W-E of red beans, they've been great from they they started, I believe, actually during COVID, and now they're they're helping out with Ida. If you go to it's feedthesecondline.org, what they are doing is they are identifying individuals that are in need, and then they put together grocery lists, household item lists, et cetera, and they will actually deliver that to people in need. I know during COVID, within a little over six weeks, they had actually raised over $1 million. It started off as a very, very small initiative, and it quickly gained momentum. Um, and they've been doing a great job. They've been all over the local news. I believe um, they had a, a feed the front line during COVID and they delivered almost, I think, 100,000 meals to frontline workers um, when we were at the height of the pandemic. So now they're doing the second thing. So that's feed the second line um, dot org. That is a really, really big one. We have Second Harvest Food Bank out here. That is a really, really big organization. In fact, I've worked with them personally when I was working at a nonprofit. They are working with every parish throughout throughout all of Louisiana. And that's something that I want to stress too, because I don't want people to hear this and think, 
oh, you know, poor New Orleans and kind of forget about, you know, the other parishes that are also being dramatically impacted by Ida, not to mention just anywhere else in the, in the Gulf Coast region that are being hit. There are areas like, uh, like Homa that got completely destroyed. Um, Grand Isle just looks really, really bad as well. So um, Louisiana just isn't New Orleans. And it's important that people know and understand that. So um, Second Harvest Food Bank is a really big one. Again, they're working with officials in every single parish and they deliver, um, they put together meal kits and they do deliver meals for free or they will have pickup sites. And I think as of Friday, I actually researched this. They had 3,500 uh, readiness boxes that were ready to be distributed. Um, and then this is just for anybody that's going through the disaster right now. If you go to disasterassistance.gov, you can sign up. Now FEMA is now taking applicants for people that are in need of financial assistance. So whether that be, um, I don't know if it's housing, I know food, clothing, et cetera. Um, I actually went and signed up for it just because I had to evacuate. So they said, if you evacuate, then sign up through this website and they will actually take down. And again, if people are comfortable with this, your banking information right there on the website, because if you do get approved, they will direct deposit you funds in order to assist you. You know, if you've been displaced, if you have repairs, if you are in need of food or clothing or shelter. So I'm not sure how fast that process is. I'm sure FEMA has a lot going on right now. There's a phone number you can call. I would recommend people go on the website instead. But yeah, so feedthesecondline.org, uh, that's crew of red beans and second harvest are really big. And then also I see little stories too that I think um, I just wanted to shout out. Like I saw Chef Michael Galata and he runs a couple of restaurants in New Orleans and he's just a fantastic chef and a human being. And I know that right before, um, you know, you and I hopped on you know, your podcast, I saw that his restaurant Mofo, which is located in Mid-City, New Orleans, he's doing a thing where he's just giving out his entire inventory. So it's stuff, you know, you see stories like that. And, that, and, that's, and that's the reason why I love New Orleans, because you just see people, um, you know, helping each other out. Like, I sincerely doubt he has any power. He's not trying to make any money. He is quite literally giving away his restaurant's inventory to anybody that can show up and pick it up. So there's, um, there's people out there, um, you know, and, and they're trying to help each other out. Yeah, and I've seen Jose Andres out there with World Central Kitchen. Um, that's one of my favorite charities. I love what they do as far as they get in there. And I, I mean, he chefs that show. He's been there, like in in the front lines, on the front lines, just really feeding people. I mean, it's just so devastating for these restaurants. I mean, it's just, I mean, and it's also really interesting too because Louisiana has been hit the hardest by COVID. It feels like it's just been absolutely devastating, and Louisiana also pretty much the only southern state that we've seen to really crack down on these vaccine mandates especially in restaurants i keep wondering why that's not happening in atlanta and a lot of my restaurant tour friends you know people nobody really wants to talk about it because they feel like you know i actually try to get a chef on to talk about it you know and i it's dicey there are a couple places here that are doing it but I think the overall feeling is they've been hit so hard by COVID. They've been so devastated by that, by staffing, that they don't want to throw an extra thing in the mix. But New Orleans is really going in there and doing that. What's your take on that, Joey? It's hard. It's a. It's definitely a subject that seems to be divisive whenever it gets brought up. Um, it's, it's very touchy. I think, yes, I agree. Um, New Orleans, 
I mean, and like the rest of the world, but, you know, obviously where I live, I'm paying attention to the impact, the impact that COVID has had on New Orleans with COVID and not even, and not even talking about, you know, Ida, which just hit freaking yesterday, but it's, it's been devastating. And what kills me when I watch, you know, the restaurant and the hospitality industry take such a beating when it comes to cities like New Orleans is because when I think about, you know, going out to eat or having a drink somewhere, that is so embedded in the culture of New Orleans. It is, I can easily argue that that is a, the reason why people visit this city. Oh, it's like a is, sport. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. That is like why, that is why they are there. When you, when you live in New Orleans and someone sends you a text and says, Hey, what are you doing tonight? That's their way of asking you, where do you want to go eat? What do you want to go drink? It's not, you know, they're, they're not mixing words about that. So it's hard because it, it is our livelihood. It's also our culture. So when that, when that takes, I don't know, the, the beating that it has, you're impacting us in so many ways. And it's, it's really, it's really challenging. And I don't blame, you know, restaurant owners and, and chefs who, you know, have to make a decision on what to do, you know, when it comes to their staff and when it comes to vaccinations and, and what to do, you know, when it comes to, to mask wearing. And then even with customers, because at the end of the day, they have to make a business, they, you know, they have to run a business and they have to make money. And then on top of that, you have, you know, you have, you know, however many employees that are looking up to you and they're trying to earn money because they're trying to survive. So I don't, there's, there's so many variables involved and it's just, it's just been a really challenging time. Um, I, I, I was starting to see this city turn around and start to come to life, you know, people going out to eat and, you know, being safe about it and supporting restaurants and, yeah, we saw some closures, but things were starting to kind of open back up and look good. And, you know, now we have a hurricane. So <laughs> it's it's one thing after another. It's one tough, just like, it's like an avalanche uh, for Louisiana. It's like my heart just goes out to people. But, you know, as you know, Joey, restaurant people are really resilient. And New Orleans is the most resilient town. Uh, that is a town that just doesn't give up. It's interesting. It's complicated. It's fun. It's weird. You know, I, and it's, it is a challenge. But, man, I wish y'all luck with that because it is just, I mean, it, thankfully, it seems like it. What the levees held up and it seems like it's, it's still terrible. But, like, on the level of terrible, it's not Katrina terrible. And, by the way, I do want to mention Joey, I, I hadn't realized that you were there in the service for Katrina. So I will say you were in the Navy. I was in the Navy. I was uh, four years, 2003 through 2007. So I'm kind of dating myself there. Long. Well, thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you, first off. And, well, you know, that being on the front lines of that. So you do have a deep understanding of this. So we're going to support these charities. Uh, let's do something fun to wrap this up because it's just there's so much doom and gloom. It's just, ugh, it sucks. It's a lot. A lot. <laughs> it's been and it's been a hard year, you know, and being surrounded by the doom and gloom and, and seeing it all the time is it can take a toll. I know I personally had to kind of take a mental time out just from everything on social media because I was going through a lot and I kind of had to <laughs> take a step back because you can only take so much. Yeah, uh, I, I get it. I, I totally get it. You know, because I did read that. I read like you lost your job, you know, you you know, you had a, some some family, you know, some de death in the family. I mean, it's just we've all had it. It's like, you you know, it's in, in this weird way with this year with all of this, you, you, you sort of feel bad saying 
oh, this happened to me because everybody who you talk to ha- has something that's happened to them. Yeah, and, and that's the hard thing. You know, everyone, you know, the saying is that, you know, what is it? Be kind to everyone because you don't know their struggle. Well, now we are really in a time where you can make the safe assumption that every single person you meet really is struggling with something. So yeah. I think a little bit of really goes a long way. Well, and that's why food is just so comforting too. It's just like, oh my gosh, well, this sandwich <laughs> is the sandwich that I dream of. Um, in New Orleans, what are the top three restaurants that, you know, if you had like, you know, less than 48 hours, where do I need to go? Oh, wow. So a big thing that stands out to me is, and this is kind of answering your question, but also I know, so a really big thing, obviously, in New Orleans is po'boys. And when everyone wants to get a po'boy, Parkway has a, a really great reputation for po'boys. Not a knock on Parkway at all. I love their I love their po'boys. But there are other places that you can go to in the city that also do great. Again, not a knock on Parkway. Locals go there. Tourists go there. But if you want to go uptown New Orleans to Domelisa's, that's a great place. R&O's. Over in Bucktown, they do a great, um, like a roast beef debris po'boy. So th- there's there's some couple of a couple of spots out there that um, that I think if you went a little out off the beaten path, that you would find you know some really really good food. You'd be really surprised. If I had, man, if I had 24 hours, Nina Compton's Compare La Pen is my my personal favorite restaurant in New Orleans. It's just I don't know she. To me, she's just a genius. <laughs> she's, uh, we're very, very lucky to have her in the city. That is a spot I highly recommend. Gosh, what's the, uh, I'm trying to think. There's a, there's a sushi place. What am I thinking? Oh, there's a, um, my favorite, my favorite sushi place in the city that I would absolutely go to if I only had 24 hours would be Kano. And that's actually in Metairie, just located again, outside of New Orleans. It, it looks like you're dining in someone's house, it's a very small, intimate space. So that is another location. And then um, Brightstons. Brightstons is one of my all-time favorites. It is a quintessential New Orleans neighborhood restaurant. Frank Brightston is a another individual that we are very, very, very fortunate to have in the city. His um, It's up there. Uh, people go back and forth on Brightstons and Clancy's in terms of best neighborhood places to eat. For me, it's Brightstons. Not knock on Clancy's. I love them too. I just have a fondness for Frank and the work they do there and their and their barbecue shrimp. So those are three places I would absolutely go to within within 24 hours if I if I you know had a gun to my head and, and had to make a decision. Okay. Are beignets overrated? I no. I, I don't think I don't <laughs> think beignets are overrated at all. Um however, go to Cafe Beignet. They have some notoriety. But, you know, everyone thinks of going to, um, gosh, I'm sorry, it's uh, Cafe Du Monde. Yeah, but uh, but Cafe Beignet is really, really good. Also, go to Morning Call. Okay. Get, get yourself some coffee. Go to Morning Call or, or Cafe Beignet. They have two locations. They have a really big location that's actually in the quarter. And th- those are two spots I would I would sit down and have some beignets at. It's not something that I do that I do a lot. But once or twice a year, especially when I have company in town, I'll go get some beignets. I, I okay. really enjoy them. Okay. So if you had to choose between a beignet or a donut, you'd choose the beignet? No, I'm going donut. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm right. They are overrated. Um, donut, 
notice you have the variety, so you can switch things up a little bit. Okay, so. fair enough. Fair enough. You know, it's a weird thing. It's like in Atlanta, like I'm just not a biscuit person. Like I just don't really get biscuits. Um, I understand why people love them, but I'm never going to order that. I, you know, you have a, a baguette over a, a biscuit any day. Well, Joey Cirillo, it is just so nice to like meet, I mean, not really meet you in person, but sort of meet you and uh, pass the everything is the name of the podcast. And and it's really, really fun. Uh, Your website is past the everything and you really gave some great charities, uh, Crew of Red Beans, FeedTheSecondLine.org and Second Harvest. I definitely recommend everybody... uh, reach out to those charities and, and, you know, give what you can. I mean, you know, it, it's, I think it's just so nice to have someone who is, is there who really understands the community. And I think you really gave us a really good look at it. When do you think you're going to go home? I honestly, you know, I really have no idea. And I want to uh, quickly mention, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, the Cajun Navy is, is something is another organization that people can look into. And I highly recommend donating to, they are on the ground right now. They are in boats and they are actually rescuing people from their homes. They're all over places like Laplace. Lafouche got hit really bad. The Cajun Navy is out there. They, they were out there in the dark, driving around, finding people. Um, I saw people on, on Twitter sending out, um, tweeting where their locations were about people being trapped, like in attics. It's, wow. it's pretty heartbreaking. So look into the Cajun Navy. And I just wanted to shout out those places too, because I know they're going through a lot of devastation. For yeah. me specifically, yeah. I have I have no idea. Again, it's my first time evacuating and we're kind of just playing everything by ear. So we've extended the hotel for one more night. That's, you know, not something that we can continue doing every day is just staying in this hotel. So uh, from what the tech, I signed up for the text message alerts and the te- from what I have been talking to people about and what I've been reading, we could be without power in New Orleans for three weeks. And that's being conservative. So I might not be able to return for to return home for a month. Uh, water uh, might not be available for at least another five days. So there are there are a lot of people that are really hurting right now, and they could use a lot of support. I'm okay. Um, yes, I am displaced, but you know I have power. I can charge my phone. I have Wi-Fi. I have food. Not well, not not specifically, but well, yes, there's. Joe, uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Cajun Navy because I wasn't familiar with that. I saw that on Twitter today and I gave them money earlier because I just... See that. Thank you so much for, for sharing that and for your donation as well. Yeah, everybody check out Pass the Everything. And, you know, listen, thanks to the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network uh, who connected us so we could do this chat. And you can reach out to Joey. What's the best place to contact you if people want to... My, my Instagram past the everything, or if they want to check out the podcast, it's at PTE pod. I, um, um, I know that you're very active on Twitter. I'm obsessed with Twitter. It's, uh, my, my handle is so many ways to Joey instead of the TO it's a number two. So, so many ways to Joey, you can check me out on there, but yeah, if it's food related past the everything or PTE pod. Great. Well, it's been so great chatting with you. We've learned a lot. And one day we're going to not go out for beignets and donuts or biscuits. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you so much.